0: Chapter 9 A boy, before he really grows up, is pretty much like a wild animal. He can get the wits scared clear out of him today, and by tomorrow, I've forgotten all about it. At least that's the way it was with me. I was plenty scared of the hydrophobia plague that Burns Sanderson had told me about. I could hardly sleep that night. I kept picturing in my mind mad dogs and mad wolves reeling about with the blind staggers, drooling slobbers, and snapping and biting at everything in sight. Maybe biting Mama and little Arliss so that they got the sickness and went mad too. I lay in bed and shuddered and shivered and dreamed of all sorts of nightmare happenings. Then the next day, I went to rounding up and marking hogs and forgot all about the plague. Our hogs ran loose on the range in those days, the same as our cattle. We fenced them out in the fields, but never into a pasture. We had no pastures. We never fed them. Unless maybe it was a little corn that we threw to them during a bad spell in the winter. The rest of the time, they rustled for themselves. They slept out and ate out. In the summertime, they slept in the cool places around the water holes, sometimes in the water. In the winter, they could always tell at least a day ahead of time when a blizzard was on the way. Then they gang up and pack tons of leaves and dry grass and sticks into some dense thicket or cave. They'd pile all this into a huge bed and sleep on until the cold spell blew over. They ranged all over the hills and down into the canyons. In season, they fed on acorns, berries, wild plums, prickly pear apples, grass, weeds, and bulb plants, which they rooted out of the ground. They especially liked the wild black persimmons that the Mexicans called chipotes. Sometimes, too, they'd eat a newborn calf if the mama cow couldn't keep them horned away or a baby fawn that the doe had hidden in the tall grass. Once in a real dry time, Papa and I saw an old sow standing belly deep in a drying up pothole of water, catching and eating perch that were trapped in there and couldn't get away. Most of these meat eaters were old hogs. However, starvation during some bad drought or extra cold winter had forced them to eat anything they'd get a hold of. Papa said they generally started out by feeding on the carcass of some deer or cow that had died, Then going from there to catching and killing live meat. He told a tale about how an old range hog had caught him when he was a baby and his folks got there just barely in time to save him. It was that sort of thing, I guess, that always made Mama so afraid of wild hogs. The least little old biting shoat could make her take cover. And she didn't like it a bit when I started out to catch and mark all the pigs that our sows had had raised last year. She knew we had to do it else we couldn't tell our hogs from those of the neighbors. But she didn't like the idea of my doing it alone. But I'm not working hogs alone, Mama, I pointed out. i have going to old Yeller and Burns and said he's a real good hog dog. Well, that doesn't mean a thing, Mama said. All hog dogs are good ones. A good one is the only kind that can work hogs and live. But the best dog in the world won't keep you from getting cut all to pieces if you ever make a slip. Mom, Well, Mama was right. I'd worked with Papa enough to know that any time you mess with a wild hog, you were asking for trouble. Let him alone, and he'll generally snort and run for you on sight, the same as deer. But once you corner him, he's the most dangerous animal that ever lived in Texas. You catch a squealing pig out of a bunch, and you've got a battle on your hands. All of them will turn on you one time, and here they'll come, roaring and popping their teeth cutting high and fast with gleaming white tushes that they keep wetted to the sharpness of their knife points. And there's no bluff to them either. They mean business. They'll kill you if you can get to you, and if you're not fast-footed and don't keep close watch, they'll get to you. They had to be that way to live in a country where the wolves, bobcats, panther, and bear were always after them, trying for a bait of fresh hog meat. And it was because of this that nearly all hog owners usually left four or five old barrows or bar hogs as we called them, to run each of the bunch of sows. The bar hogs weren't any more vicious than the boars, but they'd hang with the sows and help them protect the pigs and shoats, when generally the boars pulled off to range alone. I knew all this about range hogs, and plenty more, yet I still wasn't bothered about the job facing me. In fact, I sort of looked forward to it. Working wild hogs was always exciting, and generally provided to be a lot of fun. I guess the main reason I felt this way was because Papa and I had figured out a quick and nearly foolproof way of doing it. We could catch most of the pigs we needed to mark and castrate them without ever getting in reach of old hogs. It took a good hog dog to pull off that trick, but the way Burn Sanderson talked about old Yeller, I was willing to bet that he was that good. And he was, too. He caught on right away. We located our first bunch of hogs at a seep spring at the head of a shallow dry wash that led back toward the Birdsong Creek. There were seven sows, two long-tushed old bar hogs, and fourteen small shoats. They'd come near to drink and to wallow around in the potholes of soft, cool mud. They caught wind of us about the same time I saw them. The old hogs threw up their snouts and said, woof. Then they all tore out for the hills, running through the rocks and brush almost as swiftly and silently as deer. Hit him off Heller, I hollered, go get him boy, but it was a waste of words, old Yeller was done gone, he streaked down the slant, crossed the draw, and had the tail end pig caught by the hind leg before the others knew he was after them, the pig set up a loud squeal, instantly all the old hogs wheeled, they came at old Yeller with the bristles up, roaring and popping their teeth, Yeller held on to his pig until I thought for a second they had him, Then he let go and whirled away, running toward me, but running slow, slow enough that the old hogs kept chasing him, thinking every second that they were going to catch him the next. When they finally saw that they couldn't, the old hogs stopped and formed a tight circle. They faced outward around the ring and their rumps to the center where all the squealing pigs were gathered, and that way they were ready to battle about anything that wanted to jump on them. (coughs) That's the way they were used to fighting bear and panther off from their young. And that's the way they aimed to fight us off. (laughs) But we were too smart, Old Yeller and I. We knew better than to try to break into that tight ring of threatening tushes. Anyhow, we didn't need to. All we needed was just to move the hogs along to where we wanted them. And Old Yeller already knew how to do this. Back he went, right up into their faces where he pestered them with yelling bays and false rushes until they couldn't stand it. With an angry roar, one of them borrows broke the ring to charge him, and instantly all the others charged too, and they were right on Old Yeller again. And they were just about to get him, just let them get a few inches closer, and one of them would slam a four-inch tush into his soft belly. But you see, the thing was, Old Yeller never would let them gain that last few inches on him. They cut and slashed at him from behind on both sides. Yet he never was quite there. Always he was just a little bit beyond their reach, yet still so close that they couldn't help but thinking that the next try was sure to get him. It was a blood-chilling game old Yeller played with the hogs, but one that you could see he enjoyed by the way he went at it. Give him time and he'd take that bunch of angry hogs clear down out of the hills and into the pens at home if that's where I wanted them. Never driving them, just leading them along. But that's where Pop and I had other hog hunters outfigured. We almost never took our hogs to the pens to work them anymore. That took too much time. Also after we got them penned, there was still the dangerous job of catching the pigs away from the old ones. I hauled at Old Yeller, come on bring him Yeller, I said. Then I turned and headed for the big gnarled live oak tree that stood in a clear patch of ground down on the draw piece. I picked out that tree because it was a huge branch that stuck out to one side. I went and looked the branch over and saw that it was just right. It was low, yet still far enough above the ground to be out of reach of the highest cutting hog. I climbed up the tree and squatted on the branch and unwound my rope from where I had packed it coiled around my waist and shook out a loop. Then I hollered for Old Yeller to bring the hogs to me. and He did what I told him. He brought the fighting hogs to the tree and rallied them in a ring around it. Then he stood back, holding them there, while he cocked his head sideways at me wanting to know what came next. (laughs) I soon showed him. I waited till one of the pigs came trotting under my limb. I dropped my loop around him, gave it a quick yank, lifting him, squealing and kicking, up out of the shuffling and roaring mass of hogs below. I clamped him between my knees and pulled out my knife and went to work on him. First I folded his right ear and sliced out a three-cornered gap in the top side, a mark that we called an overbit. Then, from the underside of his left ear, I slashed off a long strip that ran clear to the point. That is what we call an underslope. That had a marked for me. Our mark was overbit the right and an underslope the left. Other settlers had other marks, like crop the right and underbit the left, or two underbits in the right ear and an overslope in the left and an overbit in the right. Everybody knew the hog mark of everybody else, and we all respected them. We never butchered or sold a hog that didn't belong to us or marked a pig following a sow that didn't wear our mark. Cutting marks in a pig's ear is bloody work, and the scared pig kicks and squeals like he's dying, but he's not really hurt. What hurts him is the castration, and I never did like that part of the job. But it had to be done, and still does if you want to eat hog meat. You let a boar hog get grown without cutting his seeds out, and his meat's too tough and rank's willing to eat. The squealing of the pig and the scent of his blood made the hogs beneath me go nearly wild with anger. You never heard such roaring and teeth popping as they kept circling the tree and rearing up on its trunk trying to get to me. The noise they made and the hate and anger that showed in their eyes was enough chill in your blood. Only I was used to the feeling and didn't let it bother me. That is not much. Sometimes I let my mind slip for a minute and get to thinking how they'd slash me to pieces if I happened to fall out of the tree. and. I'd feel a sort of a cold shudder run all through me, but Papa had told me right from the start that fear was right, a natural feeling for anybody, and nothing to be ashamed of. It's a thing of your mind, he said, and you can train your mind to handle it just like you can train your arm to throw a rock. When well, you put it that way, it made sense to be afraid, so I hadn't bothered about that. I'd put it all in my time trying to train my mind not to let the fear stampede me. Sometimes it did yet, of course, but not when I was working hogs. I'd had enough experience at working hogs that I know I could generally look down and laugh at them. I finished with the first pig and dropped it to the ground. Then one after another, I roped the others, dragged them up to the tree and worked them over. A couple of times, the old hogs in the ground got so mad that they broke ranks and they charged Old Yeller. But right from the start, Old Yeller had caught on to what I wanted. Every time they chased him from the tree, he'd just run a little way and circle back and then stand off far enough away that they'd rally around my tree again. In less than an hour, I was done with the job and the only trouble we had was getting the hogs to leave the tree after I was finished. After going to so much trouble to hold the hogs under the tree, Old Yeller had a hard time understanding that I finally wanted to, you know, wanted them out of the way. And even after I got him to leave, the hogs were so mad and so suspicious that I had to squat there in that tree for nearly an hour longer before they finally drifted away into the brush, making it safe for me to come down. Chapter 10 With hogs ranging in the wilds like that, it was hard to know for certain when you'd found them all, but I kept a piece of ear from every pig I marked. I carried the pieces home in my pockets and stuck them on a sharp pointed stick, which I kept hanging in the corn crib. When the count reached 46, I couldn't seem to locate any new bunches of hogs. Uh, Mom and I decided that it was all the pigs the sows had raised that year, so I had left off hog hunting and, you know, started getting ready to gather corn when Bud Searcy paid us another visit. He told me about one bunch of hogs I'd missed. Well, they're clear back in that bat cave country, the yonder side of Stone branch, he said. Rosal Simpson ran them to a couple of days ago, feeding their pear apples and them prickly pear flats, said there was five pigs following three sows wearing your mark. A couple old bar hogs ranging with them. I'd never been that far on the other side of Salt Branch before, but Papa told me about the Batcave. I figured I could find the place. So early the next morning, I set out with Old Yeller, glad for the chance to hunt hogs a while longer before starting on the corn gathering. Also, if I was lucky, I... And found the hogs early, maybe I'd have time to visit the cave and watch the bats come out. Papa told me that was a real sight, the way the bats come out in the late afternoon. I was sure anxious to go see it. I always liked to go see the far places and strange sights. Like one place on Salt Branch that I'd found. There was a high undercut cliff there and some birds building their nest against the face of it. They were little gray, sharp-winged swallows. They gathered sticky mud out of the hog wallow and carried it up and stuck it to the bare rocks of the cliff, shaping the mud into a little bulging nest with a single hole in the center of each one. The young birds hatched out there and stuck their heads out through the holes to get their <coughs> their worms and bugs the, the grown birds brought to them. The mud nests were so thick on the face of that cliff that, from distance, the wall looked like it was covered with honeycomb. That were, there was another place I liked, too. It was a wild, lonesome place, down in a deep canyon that was bent in the shape of a horseshoe. Tall trees grew down in the canyon and leaned out over the deep hole of clear water. In the trees nested hundreds of long-shanked herons, blue ones and white ones with black wing tips. The herons built huge, raggedy nests of sticks and trash and sat around the trees all day long, fussing and strai- staining the tree branches with their white droppings. And beneath them, down in the clear water... Yard-long catfish lay on the sandy bottom waiting to gobble up any young birds that happened to fall out of the nests. The bat cave sounded like another one of those wild places I'd like to see. I sure hoped I could locate the hogs in time to pay it a visit while I was close by. We located the hogs in plenty of time, but before we were done with them, I, I didn't want to go see the bat cave or anything else. Old Yeller struck the hog's trail at a water hole. He ran to send out the regular forest of prickly pear. Bright red apples fringed on the edges of the prickly pads. In places where the hogs had fed, bits of peel and black seeds and red stained juice lay on the ground. The sight made me wonder again how a hog could be tough enough to eat prickly pear apples with their millions of little hair-like spines. I ate them myself sometimes, for pear apples were good eating but even after I'd polished them by cleaning them in the sand, I generally wound up with several stickers in my mouth. But the hogs didn't seem to mind the stickers. Neither did the wild turkeys or the pack rats or the little big-eared ring-tailed cats. All those creatures came to the pear flats when the apples started turning red. Old Jellers yelling, Bay, told me that he'd caught up with the hogs. I'd heard their rumbling roars and ran through the pear clumps toward the sound. They were the hogs that Rosal Simpson had sent word about. There were five pigs and three sows and a couple bar hogs, all but the pigs wearing our mark. Their faces bristled with long pear spines that had gotten stuck with, reaching for apples. Red juice stained with smear was smeared all over their snouts. They stood, backed up against the big prickly pear clump. Their anger had their bristles standing in the high, fierce ridges along their backbones. They roared and popped their teeth and dared me or Old Yeller to try to catch one of the squealing pigs. I looked around for the closest tree. It stood better than a quarter mile off. It was going to be rough for Old Yeller trying to lead them to it. Having to duck and dodge around those prickly pear, he was bound to come out, bristling with more pear spines. (laughs) than the hogs had in their faces. But I couldn't see any other place to take them, so I struck off toward the tree, hollering at Old Yellow to bring him along. A deep cut bank draw ran through the pear flats between me and a huge mesquite tree <coughs> I was heading for, and I was down in the bottom of this draw that the hogs balked. They'd found a place where the flood waters had undercut one of the dirt banks to form a shallow cave. They backed up under the cave with the pigs behind them, No amount of barking and pestering by old Yeller could get them out. And now and then, one of the old bar hogs burnt ranks to try to make a quick cutting lunge at the dog. But when Yeller leaped away, the hog wouldn't follow up. He'd go right back to fill the gap he left in the circle, half-circle his mates had formed at the front of the cave. The hogs knew they'd found a natural spot for making a fight and staying, and they didn't aim to leave it. I went back and stood on the shallow banks above them, Looking down, wondering what to do, then it came to me that all I needed to do was go to work. This dirt bank would serve as well as a tree. There were the hogs right underneath me. They couldn't get to me from down there, not without first having to go about 50 yards down the draw to find a place to get out. And old yeller wouldn't let him do that. It wouldn't be easy to reach beneath the undercut bank and rope a pig, but I believed it could be done. I took my rope from around my waist and shook out the loop. I moved to the lip of the cut bank. The pigs were too far back under me, under me for a good throat. <clears> throat. Maybe if I lay down on my stomach I could reach them. I did. I reached back under and picked up the first pig, slick as a whistle. I drew him up and worked him. I dropped him back and watched the old hog sniff his bloody wounds, sent his blood made, from, made them madder, and they roared louder. Well, I lay there and waited. The second pig moved out from the back part of the cave that I couldn't quite see. He still wasn't quite far enough out. I inched forward and leaned further down to where I could see better. I could reach him with my loop now. I made my cast, and that's when it happened. The dirt bank broke beneath my weight. A wagon load of sand caved off and spilled down over the angry hogs. I I went with the sand. I guess I screamed, I don't know. It happened too fast. All I can really remember is the wild, heart-stopping scare I knew as I tumbled, head over heels down among those killer hogs. The crumbling sand all but buried the hogs. I guess that's what saved me right at the start. I remember bumping into the back of the old bar hog, hog, then leaping to my feet in the smothering fog of dry dust. I jumped blindly to one side as far as I could. I broke to run, but I was too late. A slashing tush caught me in the calf of my right leg. A searing pain shot up into my body. I screamed. I stumbled and went down. I screamed louder then, knowing I could never get to my feet in time to escape the rush of angry hogs roaring down upon me. It was Old Yeller who saved me, just like he'd saved little Arliss from the She-Bear. He came in roaring with rage. He flung himself between me and the Killer Hogs. Fangs bared, he met them head on, slashing and snarling. He yelled with pain as the savage tushes ripped into him. He took the awful punishment meant for me, but held his ground. He gave me that one in a hundred chance to get free and I took it. I leaped to my feet, in a wild terror, I ran along the bed of that dry wash, cut up a sloping bank, then I took out through the forest a prickly pear. I ran till a forked stick tripped me and I fell. It seemed like that fall, or maybe it was the long prickly pear spines that stabbed me in the hip, brought me out of my scare. I sat up, still panting for breath, and with the blood hammering in my ears, but all I was right about my right mind again. I yanked the spines out of my hip, and then pulled up the slashed pants to look at my leg. The sight of so much blood nearly threw me into another panic. It was streaming out of the cut and clear down into my shoe. I sat and stared at it for a moment and shivered. Then I got a hold of myself. I wiped away the blood. The gash was a bad one, clear of the bone. I could tell, a plenty long. But it didn't hurt much. Not yet, that is. The main hurting would start later, I guess, after the bleeding stopped and my legs started to get stiff. I guess I'd better hurry and tie up the place and get home as quick as I could. And once that leg started getting stiff... I might not make it. I took my knife and cut a strip off the tail of my shirt. I bound my leg as tight as I could. I got up to see if I could walk with the leg wrapped as tight as i had had it. And I could. But when I set out, it wasn't in the direction of home. It was back along the trail through the prickly pear. I don't know... Quite know what made me do it. I, I didn't think to myself, Old Yeller saved my life and I can't go off and leave him. He's bound to be dead, but it would... Look mighty shabby to go home without finding out for sure. I have to go back even if my hurt leg gives out on me before I can get home. I didn't think anything like that. I just started walking that direction and kept walking until I found him. He lay in the dry wash about where I'd left him. Left it to go running through the prickly pear. He tried to follow me, but it was he was too hurt to keep going. He was holed up under a broad slab of red sandstone rock that had slipped off a high bank, and now lay propped up against the round boulder, in which such a way that it' was kind of formed a sort of a cave. He'd taken refuge there from the hogs. The hogs were gone now, but I could see there were tracks in the sand around the rocks where they'd treed, tried to get him, and from behind him. I'd have missed him hidden there under the rock slab if it hadn't been for the wine as I walked past. I knelt beside him and coaxed him out from under the rocks. He grunted and groaned as he dragged himself toward me. He sank back to the ground, his blood smeared body trembling while he wiggled his stub tail and tried to lick my hog cut leg. A big lump came up into my throat, tears stung my eyes, blinding me. Here he was, trying to lick my wound, when he was bleeding from a dozen worse ones. And worst of all was his belly. It was ripped wide open, and some of his insides were bulging out through the slit it was a horrible sight. It was so horrible that for a second I couldn't look at it. I wanted to run off. I didn't want to stay and look at something that filled me with such numbing terror, but I didn't run off. I shut my eyes and made myself run a hand over old Yeller's head. The stickiness of the blood on it made my flesh crawl, but I made myself do it. Maybe I couldn't do him any good, but I wasn't going to run off and leave him to die all by himself. Then it came to me that he wasn't dead yet, and maybe he didn't have to die. Maybe there was something that I could do to save him. Maybe if I hurried home, I could get Mama to come back and help me. Mama knew what to do. Mama always knew what to do when somebody got hurt. So I wiped the tears from my eyes with my shirt sleeve and made myself think of what to do. I took off my shirt and tore it into strips. I used a sleeve to wipe the sand from the belly wound. Carefully, I eased his entrails back into place. Then I pulled the lips of the wound together and wound strips of my shirt around Old Yeller's body. I wound them tight and tied strips together so they couldn't work loose. All the time I worked with him, Old Yeller didn't let out a whimper. But When I shoved him back under the rock where he'd be out of the hot sun, he started whining. I guess he knew that I was fixing to leave him and he wanted to go too. He started crawling back out of his hole. I stood and studied for a while. I needed something to stop up that opening so Yellow couldn't get out. It would have to be something too big and heavy for him to shove aside. I thought of a rock and went looking for one. What I found was even better. It was an uprooted and dead mesquite tree lying on the bank of the wash. The stump end of the dead mesquite was big and heavy. It was almost too much for me to drag in the loose sand. I heaved and sweated and started my leg to bleeding again, but I managed to get that tree stump where I wanted it. I slid old Yellow back under the rock slab. I scolded him and made him stay there until I could haul the tree stump into place. And like I'd figured, the stump just about filled the opening. Maybe a strong dog could have squeezed through the narrow opening that was left, but I didn't figure old Yeller could. I figured he'd be safe in there till I could get back. Yeller lay back under the rock slab now, staring at me with the look in his eyes that made that choking lump come into my throat again. It was a begging look, and old Yeller wasn't the kind to beg. I reached in and let him lick my hand. Yeller, I said, I'll be back. I'm promising you that I'll be back. Then I let out for home in a limping run. His howl followed me. It was the most mournful howl I ever heard.